Welcome to Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. Introducing my road crew from British Columbia, Canada, J-Man the Snarl. From Vancouver Island, Motorhead Mark and Cruisin' Corinne. From Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Electric Aaron. And of course, country rock singer G.M. Blacktop. Produced by Calgary's Power Pack. Good evening, and welcome to Highway Freaks. Yes, we are real truckers discussing real life. I'm Motorhead Mark, filling in for Bry Guy this evening, as he is somewhere between here, which is British Columbia, and North Saskatchewan border. He'll be joining us hopefully in an hour or less. Tonight we have with us Electric Aaron. We have Cruz and Corinne, sorry. It's okay. My mistake and my apologies, everybody. I'm doing the hosting for my first time tonight. Appreciate everybody showing up. Um, of course, we're going to have some uh, exciting music this evening from Fist. And we have um, four songs that we're going to introduce this evening. Um we're gonna do go. We're gonna introduce Starlight, Calm Before the Storm, Madness, and Alchemy. So those songs will be features this evening. Can't wait to hear all of them. Uh, we've been working with Fist for some time now, and uh, most of those songs are classics from the past, and a couple are from their new album, Alive. So looking forward to hearing from that. Or hearing from them. I would like to start off with Aaron. Where are you at this evening, Aaron? Uh, I'm in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Just came home from a week in the Kootenays of BC. Oh, right on. Right on. Beautiful area out there. Gorgeous. Grew up there. I love it. It's, you know, if I was rich, I'd live in BC, but I'm poor, so I moved to Saskatchewan. <laughs> 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 it is definitely not not cheap to live here for sure. <laughs> and what's happening with you tonight, Corinne? Where are you? Whereabouts are you at? Vancouver Island. <laughs> okay. Short are... to the point. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll help Corinne out. We are both in Nanaimo at the moment. Uh, Nanaimo, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island. Um, yes, uh, joining us for the first time is uh cruising corinne she uh she's a, a friend of mine and uh, a fellow motorcycle rider um she does some blogging herself and uh, tonight is her first time out and um uh, a very big welcome to you corinne thank you very much well welcome thank you and last but certainly not least is uh power pav how are you doing this evening tonight pav Oh, I'm doing good. Finally back. I was not able to join last time, but happy to be here. Well, it's certainly great to hear from you. Yeah, that's We're all going to have a little bit of fun tonight learning yeah. how to do this. So, well, <laughs> all right. Um, we're going to cut to a quick song and then uh, we'll get started on our topics. Tonight, we will uh, start with Starlight. Uh, I believe this is one of the classics uh, from our, our uh, house band Fist. And 
I hope you guys enjoy. Fist and Starlight. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure they're uh, going to get lots of comments about it. Certainly glad to have them on board. If you'd like to send us an email with uh, any comments you'd like to maybe chuck our way, the road crew 2022 at gmail.com. That's the road crew 2022 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments. So please shoot us an email. So tonight I'm going to start off with a topic that I've been trying to get online here for about three weeks. I've mentioned to it to I mentioned it to a few of my friends, including Corinne a while back. And my topic, the 
subject of my topic and the title is what would you do? So unfortunately I had a family member, a very dear um, cousin of mine, unfortunately pass away very quickly. Um, she was suffering from dementia, but it took its toll on her a little faster than we anticipated. And she was the oldest cousin I have in my generational line. Um, she was just 80 years old and, um, or 81. It's unfortunate that she's gone, but the what do you do part that I got from this came with a scheduling issue for me. Um, it was my championship night of racing. And our racing is, uh, this season has been up in Saratoga, Motorplex up in the Black Creek area, or Saratoga Motorsports Park. They're a great racetrack. They've revamped it and new owners, new management, um, some new track surface. Um, they put a lot of safety features in. So it's been our new home away from home because Western Speedway, unfortunately, is shut its doors a year ago a uh, lot of broken hearts a lot of broken dreams for some racers and a, certainly a, a many many um, broken hearts and dreams for some of the fans Aww. so what happened was they decided there was too many scheduling issues with the family in different places in different times and they decided to have it on the weekend that i was scheduled to have championship night I worked with one of my big sponsors, Extreme Fiberglass Solutions, um, uh, the fellow that owns it. He's a dear friend of mine, but an incredible sponsor. And he decided to help us out by taking the car up to the racetrack. And he's an experienced racer himself, so he was going to hot lap the car and get the car ready for the evening racing event. I was in Victoria, or in Nanaimo, and had to go to Victoria in the morning for the funeral. And I was supposed to go to the service. I was supposed to go to the wake afterwards. And I was also supposed to go to, I can't remember the proper name for it, but when they put the person in their resting place. And I had to really, really, really give it a lot of thought. Do I stay for the whole day? Or do I do part of the day and go up to the racetrack? Or do I put aside the service? and not show up, not be a, the supporting member of my family and my dad's side of the family, because I'm the only one that's capable of doing it from my dad's personal side, like my mom, my dad, my sisters, and myself. So I would have been the only contributing member. And it was a tough decision. I had three choices. And that whole thing came to my mind. What would you do? And through some advice, um, from some friends, including Corinne, I decided to go with a little bit of both. So I gathered myself up, got my gear ready to go, called my sponsor and my friend. I said, okay, let's go with you taking the car up there. If I don't show up, you're in charge. If I do show up, I'll take the reins when I get there. We had a timeline to meet because we had to be in the track by, I think it was 4.30, 4 o'clock. And it's a long drive from Victoria to Saratoga. It's, it's three hours and change. So I, I, I got together, uh, got myself together, went down to Victoria, did the funeral, did a little bit of the wake, 
said hello to my family members that did show up for that, gave them all the love I could, and very quietly skipped out. And uh, after saying goodbye to a few of my family members, I didn't want to make a big scene. I, the only part of the, this, the, the day that I missed was the, uh, the, the service part where you go to say goodbye to them at their final resting place. And then got in a, a hot rod of a car. And uh, my girlfriend said, I'll take the drive up. You take the drive down. So I drove to Victoria and she drove us up to Victoria or up from Victoria to Saratoga so that I had an opportunity to rest, get my thoughts together and not be all wound up from what was happening previously in the morning so that I could be in a race car that is a dangerous sport and be as clear headed as possible. My sponsor took care of the car. He hot lapped the car. Made sure the fuel was in there. Our crew, Andrew and my son, Brennan, uh, prepared the car as best they could for us for the evening. And that was the first thing. The second thing was, um, oh, Corinne, help me out. I've just lost it again. How often you should go visit your dad? Oh, right. So my family um, has had to come together and put my father in a facility and he has dementia and the more time goes by the more of my father's original personality and original mind evades him and he's a very different person um some of the things he talks about i haven't got a clue what they are and my question is to you the more your person the more your family members disappear mentally and physically do you go and see them every day do you go and see them every week do you go and see them every couple of weeks so my question to everybody is what would you do aaron what do you think well me personally i was uh carried for 20 years before i um uh, took the long haul job with my husband and got my class one and me personally seeing the other side of a care home I think frequent visits are good, and I also believe that you can play along to be in their world. Uh, it's okay to be in their world. You know, you get to leave and be in your world when you're after your visit. So to play in their world is not a bad thing for an hour. If you go and visit, love on them, color with them, walk around with them, let them talk gibberish it doesn't really matter as long as you're there um you know i'm a firm believer that family makes things a lot easier on them sometimes it's not the the case some families rile their parent up and if that's that happens then maybe you don't go and visit as often or you find a certain time of the day that maybe he's a little calmer or more lucid or um that's that's my take on that. Okay, fair enough. I, I totally get where you're coming from, and, and I can certainly see some logic in that and some um, family attributes that would be uh, pliable in this situation. What do you think, Corinne? Um, well, I went when uh, my mom was sick with pulmonary fibrosis. She spent the last month of her life on life support. And uh, okay. I, I went 
I don't know. I don't know if she could hear me or not, but I went every night after work and sat with her for two, three hours. I would talk to her. We'd watch, like I'd have the TV going, uh, read to her in the hopes that she did hear me. Um, I don't know if I was doing that more for her or for myself on that one, but uh, I'm glad that I did make that decision. It was hard, you know, working all day. I had two small children, which went and stayed at my aunt's every night. And um, I don't regret making that decision um, because that's, you know, we've only got so much time with them. And with my dad, when he was sick and in a home, I wasn't able to get there to be with him at the end. And uh, I wish I could have spent more time with him. So um, I think it's best to as much time as you can in the hopes that they, they do hear us and uh, appreciate us being there. I saw the pictures of you with your dad, and they're very touching, and I think uh, he knew you were there. You could definitely tell. I hope he did. I really do. Um, no, I'm sure he my, did. My, my little sidebar to this, I guess you could say, is... It's become a little bit hard for me emotionally. Um, as much as I love my dad and I, I, I love seeing him, the hard part for me has been watching the dad that I knew and loved for over 50 years deteriorate and disappear, I guess you could say. So that's been a challenge for me, a big challenge. And that's why that what would you do came to my mind. Can I chime in there? Um, you know, when you said that it's hard on you, it is. Um, it's hard on the, the person having dementia only to a certain point. Then they forget and they forget everything, but the family gets left behind. And that is an absolute struggle for for every family member that I've ever seen. Nobody goes, oh, yay. Everybody's like, oh, you know, like I wish my mom would just remember or I wish my dad would just recognize me or, but they do, they have their little lucid moments when they see you, they may brighten up a little bit and you're not sure and then they forget and, you know, there's, so you just have to hold on to like the littlest things if they make you feel better because really, it is the hardest on the family. They get to they get left with the struggle of it for years. Yeah, so I, think I see you've what got a point. I see what you're saying, absolutely. But I think it's you know, and if it is too difficult for you, that's okay too. You know, um, show up when you can, when you feel strong enough to do it, because you don't want to be there and be sad. You want to be there at your best when you're visiting, if you can. Um, you know, you got to sometimes pick your battles on that and go when you feel the best because they're going to pick up on that. They still, they can pick up on a lot of things. They don't I know. Think you're right. I, but. right. I, I think everything is, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to just say about what Aaron just said that, yeah, trust what, what you're feeling because they will pick up on it. I could tell that with both my parents when they were in the hospital. And just trust your gut and your heart. 
and it'll tell you what when is the right day to go visit or if you're feeling up to it and um that'll probably be the best way to go by it yeah i agree with you um being a trucker as some of us on here are um my schedule can be absolutely horrendous for for being on the road um more often than not i'm home every night but there are times where i'm i i leave the house and i don't get back for 16 17 18 hours i'm not on the road for all of that because it's almost an hour drive there and an hour drive back but i i literally can get maxed out and at the end of those days by the time i get home i can barely lift my legs so that's been a struggle for me to say i'm going today or i'm going to go every day and it's it's challenging physically for me not just emotionally and um i've i've been recovering from a broken neck and and surgery from a broken neck and uh just a couple of days ago on the weekend i got laid up i woke up in the morning and literally I, I felt like vomiting just getting out of bed. It was it was a challenge. So um, that's my topics or topics. I, I I feel like it's something that a lot of people can relate to, and I thank you too very much. What do you think, Pavla? What's your take on that? I don't think I can add much to in this topic. Whenever it came to like family things, I'm a bit more mm-hmm. emotional. I guess say. It's been like over four or five years since I'm in Canada. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I never want to touch on the family side. I was going to like avoid okay. that topic. Okay. I don't want to get emotional. Right. So yeah, nothing okay. I can add, man. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that gets my topic out of the way. Let's, uh, let's take another song from our house band Fist. We're going to cut away and we're going to go to the song Calm Before the Storm. And we'll play that, and we'll be back in just a moment.
Ah, welcome back. And thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that song from Fist, Calm Before the Storm. So, Aaron, we're going to throw it to you. Let's hear what your subject is tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a, a funny, kind of funny, but kind of heartwarming um, thing happen. My dad had gone for had to get a scope done down his throat and when he came out of surgery the nurse knew him they're from a small town and uh the nurse knew him and was asking him questions and um he was just came out of anesthetic and uh she asked him so you lost your mom a couple years ago and he said yes and i miss her very much and then started bawling and if you knew my dad you would be like oh my god because my dad is like a rough and tumble lumberjack never shows emotion. So having that anesthetic made things slip a little where he showed his emotion and just like started bawling for like five minutes, the nurse said. <laughs> she felt so bad Aww. that she'd made my dad cry. Um, so it made me think of uh, what funny things people do coming out of anesthetic. So that is, uh, I'm just going to do a couple of... Uh, uh, Things that people have said that they've known people or it's happened to them coming out of anesthetic. So um, my first one here is, uh, I was told that after surgery, I got up naked, opened the door and was going to leave. When they caught me and asked me where I was going, I told them that I really needed to go. I said I didn't know where I needed to be. Well, of course, they took me back to the room. <laughs> Another one, um, when they wheeled me out, I had both arms stuck out and was making plain noises. They asked me what I was doing and I told them I was finally becoming a my, my final form, a plane. <laughs> um, oh my. <laughs> another one is uh, after anesthetic, my cousin proposed to a pineapple. There was no pineapple in the room. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was 15 and I was having an endoscopy done. They gave me anesthetic and after they positioned the bed, they rolled me beside a huge TV. I started nurses and doctors asking why they were going to watch TV while they did this to me. A little did I know that that was a camera fed uh, like a camera that ran to the feed um, and they all laughed and told me, told my mother I was seriously yelling at them to uh, stop watching TV and do the surgery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Last surgery I had, right as they pushed the needle of the good stuff, I asked the entire theater if anyone needed anything while I was out. They, they laughed and I passed out into oblivion <laughs> i've had about uh like a billion ear surgeries this one says and um i only remember coming out of one of them i was just waking up and still really groggy and the staff brought me in some lunch it was some sort of soup with oregano in it but i was young and didn't know what oregano was so i yelled mom they put grass in my soup <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh boy. This is a good one. Um, this is a nurse anesthetic um, anesthesiologist here, and she was in uh, school training, and um, she was getting ready for this, or getting this lady ready to go off to sleep, and going through her regular spiel. She had uh, the mask on her face and said, "Nice big breaths." And as I pushed, uh, as she pushed the the drug in. Right before she went out, she said, thanks, I just got them done. <laughs> I looked at my perspective. Oh, no. <laughs> and looked at what was circulating, or, and we all burst out laughing. Uh, I now say, slow, deep breaths instead of, <laughs> instead of um, nice, big breaths. <laughs> oh, my. Holy crap, that's funny. Yeah. And this one, um, my husband went under last year, and once he woke up, by an appearance, he was as sober as a church mouse, walking, asking serious questions of the doctor, apparently no issues at all. He remembered the procedure and described it to me in detail. I figured he just never, like, went completely out. He was craving Chinese food, and nothing would do except for the buffet. So we headed down and loaded up our first plate of food. Evidently, he actually woke up uh, from the anesthesia at the buffet. As far as he remembers, he was put under and woke up with a plate of chicken teriyaki on a stick. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy. That's Imagine awesome. What a great story. In the, in the restaurant, being like, uh, where am I? <laughs> uh, patient was what, heavenly... Wow. Patient was heavily sedated in ICU. Nurse gave in him an enema. Half conscious, half conscious, he responded, Honey, you know I don't like it that way. <laughs> oh, no. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's amazing what happens when our uh, minds don't have that filter. <laughs> This is actually something I supposedly said when I came out of my wisdom teeth surgery. I woke up and said, my bones feel wet. Can I have a napkin? I still wonder what I was thinking at that time. <laughs> really? That's a, that's a bit of a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, this other one. Uh, <laughs> wake up violently. Uh, when he came to, he said, sorry, I thought I was a shark. <laughs> Thrashing around on the, the gurney. A shark? <laughs> yeah. Must have been dreaming of maybe Shark Week or something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Shark? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe has kids. Yeah. <laughs> Another one here. Uh, I knew a guy who had surgery and afterwards wanted to go home. Just when he... He wasn't even recovered. Uh, he turned to the nurse and said, You may not realize this, but I'm a ninja, and I heal three times faster than the normal people. The nurse at that, the nurse stopped trying to keep him on the bed. He stood and immediately um, fell on, face first on the floor. <laughs> not not for a good ninja. Oh, no. They had to put him under again for more surgery. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Uh, um, this is another one coming out of wisdom teeth surgery. Sounds like that must be the worst anesthetic. But uh, so how long are until the anesthetic kicks in, does this person say? Oh, your surgery is done already. 
Already? Man, that was fast. Well, it's been two hours, the doctor said. Whoa, did I just time travel? <laughs> time travel. <laughs> uh, my my dad's an anesthesiologist. He was treating a woman, and he said, I'm putting you to sleep now. She replied with the most horrific look on her face, like a dog? <laughs> oh, no, that's what I was thinking, too, but they actually said that? Holy... Right? Oh, wow. It's that bedside manner at its greatest. <laughs> uh, here's another good one. When I was uh, being put under for toe surgery, I said, and I quote, grape soda doesn't taste like grapes, but it sure as hell tastes like purple. <laughs> because we can all taste color, right? Right? But it sure doesn't taste like grapes. <laughs> Uh, here's a, uh, I had an operation to remove a cyst from my ovary. There was a good chance I would lose both of them. I had uh, no recollection of this, but the nurse told, told my mom, I asked, do I still have my lady balls? <laughs> I did indeed get to keep my lady balls, she said at the end. <laughs> oh, that is a subject most men should not touch. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> And, um, there's, uh, when it came out of having, from having my surgery, my wisdom teeth, apparently shot up, looked at the doctor and said, charlatan, I demand you return my teeth. They are mine and I will choose where they are spent. My dad said he couldn't stop laughing because I wouldn't leave without them. When I woke up at home, I asked my dad why my teeth were in a plastic bag on the table. He told me everything and promptly promptly started calling me Lord Moeller for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I have one final one. And this is, uh, I was walking, I was waking up from having my wisdom teeth out again. Uh, I don't remember any of this, but the nurse said that I spit out the the bloody gauze that was in my mouth, then immediately started sobbing, saying, Was that my liver? Oh no, my liver! Oh no! I apparently thought I was throwing up my organs. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so well, do you guys great have... great stories. Yeah, do you guys have any funny um, anesthetic stories that you've heard along the along your ways? Well, well, I'll let you go first, Corinne, because I have a couple. I can't think of any off the top of my head. A lot of them okay. are are the ones that Aaron read that you know they wake up and and say silly things or do silly things, walk out of the out of the room and stuff like that. But well, you go ahead, Mark. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So one of my. I think I have a number of most embarrassing moments, but one of my earliest memorable embarrassing moments, I had just had eye surgery and I had patches over both of my eyes and I was just starting to wake up. I wasn't quite there yet. And, um, I was in some pain and I was, I think, oh, let's say I was 11, maybe maybe somewhere around 11 years old and oh it's so embarrassing so the nurse sat me up 
she said, here, put your hand out and I'll give you the pills. So I put my hand out. She put a couple of pills. Let's say they were Tylenol because I don't remember. Maybe they were aspirin. I don't know back then. It was a long time ago. She puts a couple of pills in my hand. She goes, here's a cup of water for you. It's at 11 o'clock. Because we had discussed the clock because I was going to be blind for a while. So I put my hand out to 11 o'clock and the nurse was standing a little closer than I anticipated. And I'm sure if you could put your imagination together, I'm in a bed. So I'm below her and I'm thinking of a clock and here's 11 o'clock. And I, you can imagine what I grabbed accidentally and you would be absolutely right. <laughs> oh boy that was that was something i'll never forget because i was so groggy I, I just i was just coming around and she wanted to be painkiller and well <laughs> she killed my joy let's put it that way so that <laughs> was that was one <laughs> yeah she tried to tell she tried to calm me down and say okay dear it happens all the time <laughs> you know so yeah, I and I was very, 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 very shy. Like when I was that young, I mean, I couldn't talk to a girl my age, older, younger. I I couldn't speak to a girl back then. I just couldn't. So <laughs> that was one. I, I I come out of surgery again. I had had a car accident back in 1995. It was a very bad accident, um, and that might be a topic for another time, but. I had to go in for a surgery, um, not related to the accident, but not that long after. And I went in for the surgery. And before I went to surgery, I kind of felt just a tick under the weather, but not enough to say something, just the tiniest little tickle in my throat. And when I came out of surgery and I'm in the recovery room and I haven't come out of the anesthetic yet, um, I guess they had been monitoring me a little more closely. And as I started to wake up, I didn't feel well. Like I just not, not, not the pain from the surgery, but I didn't physically feel well. I felt sick all of a sudden and I threw up right away and I thought, what the heck is that all about? So a nurse came over to me right now. Um, she goes, I'm sorry. I should have been here. She, I didn't have a bucket. I threw up all over the bed. Now they have to change all the sheets and everything. So as they're changing the sheets, I'm going, why don't I feel very well? And the doctor come over to me and he checks me. He says, I'm really sorry to say this, Mark, but you're really sick. And I thought, I came in for a vasectomy and now I'm really sick. How the heck does that happen? And I started to wake up a little more and a little more and I get a little clearer. And I have a fever of 103.5 and climbing. I got up to 104.1 or 104.2. And they roll over this ice bath to my bed. And they say to me, if you reach 105, we have to put you in the bath to keep your brain from boiling. <laughs> I was, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I'm still all hooked up to the machines. I'm still groggy. The, the anesthetic, like I can't, I can't hardly lift my arms because I'm so groggy. And I, <laughs> I find out that. They hadn't informed my then significant other, my person, uh, the mother of my children. They hadn't informed yet, and apparently she was creating quite a ruckus trying to find out what was going on because I should have long been rolled back to my bed in my regular room. Yeah. Well, I guess they had to call security, and they had to restrain her 
because she told them under no certain terms was she going to be kept from finding out about my recovery. She knew where the, uh, where the uh, um, recovery room was, and she was on her way. And she knew how to get past the lock on the, on the elevator, and she did. Her mother was a nurse and told her exactly what to do. And the next thing I know, I'm near dying because my brain's about to boil. And I look over to my left, and there she is standing at the door arguing with these people. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. Oh, no, it's not me in trouble. It's them that are in trouble. And then I started to, the anesthesia was almost gone. And I went, oh, you people are in trouble, not me. And that was the first smile I had after I woke up because I wasn't smiling about anything. But when I saw her freaking out on those people, I went, oh, you guys have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> Anyways, that that's a couple of my stories and, and my responses. But, um yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite an event. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. That's, that's a wonderful topic. I'm sure the people that listen to this or might uh, download this or might uh, send some emails might have something really cool to say, because that's a really <laughs> great topic. I hope so. Cause it uh, is so funny. Like the thing that people say is just, it's great. Right. Absolutely. No, I agree. All right, Corinne, again, welcome to the show. Uh, we're really happy to have you here tonight. I know Bry Guy's been looking so forward to uh, having a, an opportunity to have you on here. Um, I told him a lot about you, and um, so, and and most of it was good, actually. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, so we're going to throw it to you, and after you're done, we'll, uh, we'll take a break and have another song. So, the Floor is yours, cruising Corinne. Okay, thank you for having me on. It's been an interesting evening. Um, Brian has asked me to share my adventures traveling on mo on my motorcycle. And tonight okay. I wanted to talk about um, an area of Washington State that is special to me. Um, it was the first trip that I rode my own bike. And I've been there every year since I started riding, with the exception of COVID, when they wouldn't let us uh, across the border. And that would be the Cascade Loop that we briefly talked about earlier, including Leavenworth and Winthrop. Right. It's a, a great trip option that uh, I really like when I need a getaway to just relax and enjoy riding and the scenery that offers amazing scenery, roads to ride, and locations to visit. Mm -hmm. um, this August, I did this trip over a period of five days with my friend Cheryl. And after the usual battle with BC Ferries to get off Vancouver Island and into Vancouver, <clears throat> the... Peace Arch border crossing is about an hour away from the Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal. And uh, one lesson we learned on uh, this August trip was when you're packing, double, triple, quadruple check that you have your passport. Cheryl and I were in the lineup at the Peace Arch already, and she realized that she had forgotten her passport at home. It was in her luggage at home. Uh, she was preparing to head to Spain a few weeks after the motorcycle trip and at this point I figured I would be it would be turning into a solo trip for me and she would be headed back home because I did not think they would allow her across the border 
So while we were in the lineup, she called her dad and he rushed to her place, took a picture of the passport and texted it to her. And when we rode up to the booth, she uh, went first so that she could explain her situation to the border guard. And I watched and she rode through and I was kind of like, okay, I guess you, they've let you in. And I rode up to the border guard and I had my uh, passport in hand and he goes to me, oh, you remembered your passport at least. He was poking fun at me. So I did not know it was actually, it's actually possible to cross into the U.S. with a picture of your passport on your phone if it shows all your information. And uh, when I, I ride this loop, I like to save the best part, the Cascade Mountains, for on the way home. It just gives you something spectacular to look forward to uh, since nobody really wants a trip to come to an end. Uh, when riding in the, in the U.S., I try to stay off of the interstate highways as much as possible. So to get to Leavenworth, we took the I-5 for a bit. We had no other choice and then turned off briefly onto the famous Highway 20. And then you hit the south uh, on Highway 9 and then 2, which leads right into Leavenworth. And Lev uh, Highway 2 twisties are spectacular on a bike. It's definitely a motorcycle road. I, I, that's one of my favorites, along with the Highway 20. For most of my trips on my bike, uh, I've tented and camped. And in Leavenworth, my favorite campground there is the Alpine RV Park and Campground. It's a smaller camp campground, more quaint, but the sites are a good size. And they have clean facilities, which is nice to to look forward to. There's a uh, Safeway across the highway and the campground is within walking distance to the downtown core. Uh, this time on the trip I was talking to one of the, the campground workers and I was sad to hear that they are looking to move the campground in the next few years because the uh, landowner is wanting to build condos instead of the campground. Uh, I guess it's the the almighty dollar is talking to him. He can get more money out of a, a condo per night compared to a tent site or the RV site. Leavenworth is a, a very entertaining Bavarian-themed town. Uh, you wouldn't think you're in Washington State when you're in the downtown core. There's a wide variety of stores, vendors, breweries, wineries, and restaurants to explore and enjoy. The best treat there that I have to have every time I'm there is the warm salted pretzels with cheese dip at Icicle Brewing. And if you enjoy beer, uh, it's even better paired with one of their own craft beers, or they offer flights of four beer as well. Um, you can spend hours downtown walking and exploring all the stores. Uh, there was even a Christmas store, which was awesome. And so on this trip, I couldn't resist buying a motorcycle ornament to hang on my tree this, starting this year. And on the way to Winthrop, when we were headed out from Leavenworth, I uh, decided to take a detour to Lake Chelan. I hadn't been there before. And what a beautiful, huge lake. It reminds me a lot of Okanagan Lake in BC. And on the way riding out of Lake Chelan, we happened to come across a Mexican taco truck. And they actually have their own small little lot that they have fixed up and put tables and decorated and are taking very nice care of it. The tacos they served were authentic to the tacos I had in Mexico at the street vendors when I've been there. 
none of the Americanized tacos with ingredients like cheese and lettuce, you will never see that put on tacos in, in Mexico. And uh, we even got to practice our Spanish when we were placing our orders, which was kind of cool. Uh, traveling from Lake Chelan to Winthrop, you can take a bit of a shortcut, but because uh, it's a short distance between Leavenworth and Winthrop, I decided to continue on Highway 97 North and hook up to the eastern end of Highway 20 just to add a little bit more to the travel day. And the, uh, the terrain around Winthrop is quite bare, kind of deserty, and it can get quite hot, which it was this, this past summer in August. Uh, but even so, it's definitely a motorcycle-friendly area, and, and for riding, it's, it's an amazing, the roads are amazing there. And I just want to sidetrack a little bit at this point to share a funny story from one of my first trips to that area that has given me a phobia to tumbleweeds. Um, at that time, I was riding a 250 Ninja, which is not a very heavy bike. There was a horrendous side wind from my right that kept pushing my bike all over the road and debris was blowing everywhere. And to my right, I noticed this giant tumbleweed rolling across the terrain coming towards the highway. First, I thought it was going to hit my boyfriend at the time, who's now an ex-boyfriend. And then I thought it was going to roll between us after it, he got by, but oh no, uh, yeah, I couldn't get away from it, and it totally enveloped me and my bike. I tried kicking it off, but could not. It was jammed everywhere on my right side. Oh, and no. I looked down, <laughs> and I realized this dry tumbleweed was wrapped around my hot exhaust pipe. So I had visions. <laughs> I was going into a panic and had visions of this thing starting on fire. <laughs> and... Uh, we, were, we had intercoms at the time, so I radioed to him, and I said, I need to stop because I was attacked by a tumbleweed, and I was afraid it was going to start on fire. The reply back was, I won't say what he said, but it was WTF. <laughs> and so even when I stopped, I pulled over and stopped. I could not get the tumbleweed off, nor could I get off my bike. It was just wrapped oh, no. all of us. And so he got off his bike, and of course, it took a bit of work getting it out from everywhere in every little nook and cranny of my bike. So to this day, when I see tumble tumbleweeds rolling towards the highway, I wonder if I'm going to get attacked again. <laughs> Maybe that so, should be yeah. your nickname. Uh, no, that's okay. We'll leave that one. <laughs> I like five little better. So mm -hmm. back, to, back to continuing on to Winthrop. Um, in Winthrop, my favorite campground is Pioneer RV Park and Campground. It's a huge place, lots of tent sites, RV sites. The tent sites are on grass, which is a bonus. Their facilities are always clean. The staff are friendly and so helpful. And uh, best part, it's two blocks up the hill from downtown. I love being able to set up camp, park the bikes, and go walking and exploring. Um, and Winthrop's downtown, it's, it's a bit like stepping back in time. The storefronts have a western theme, sidewalks are even wooden, which you have to kind of watch where you're going because they, they can trip you up as well. It's, Winthrop's not as big as Leavenworth, but it has a nice selection of stores to explore. 
And a lot of times it's just part of the enjoyment is sitting at the camp campground, having a fire going. We couldn't have one in August because of the fire ban, but all the other years I've been there, we've been able to have a campfire. And my favorite place to eat at Winthrop is the Old School House Brewery. Their food has been delicious every, every visit. And again, you compare it with your favorite craft beer that they, they make on site. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, every, you know, every time I've stayed at Pioneer, I've met amazing motorcycle riders. Um, the, that campground just attracts a, a ton of motorcycle riders. They've had um, like a show and shine, and they all stayed at that campground one year. And uh, I made friends with uh, a couple last year when I was there, and we're, we're still in, in, touch, in contact through Messenger, which is nice. That's awesome. Every other time that I've made this trip, I was able to complete the Cascade Loop and ride Highway 20 West through the Cascade Mountains. Uh, it is such a beautiful, magical ride. Um, in the midst of those mountains, you realize how small you really are. Unfortunately, in August, Highway 20 West of Winthrop was closed because of a fire. We weren't allowed to go through. So I kind of missed riding those never-ending curves and twisties. So I have to make plans for another trip there early next year. And uh, the other thing that is beautiful is when you come riding down um, at one point, you see the spectacular green color of Diablo Lake as you come down the mountain, and then you ride the bridge over the lake, which is really pretty as well. Yeah, so instead, I've, of... I've... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say I've stopped at the uh, the rest area part way down the hill and looked at yeah. that lake and taken many, many pictures. Yeah, it's gorgeous there. And uh, so instead, we had to backtrack back to Highway 97 and head north to the border crossing at Oroville Osoyoos. It was so smoky that day. At times, there was you could see the ash in there. It looked like it was almost snowing. And uh, then at Osoyoos, we headed west on Highway 3, and, I mean, Highway 3 is a fabulous motorcycle road as well, but we had our hearts set on Highway 20, so that part of it was a little bit disappointing. And uh, just west of Headley, um, there was fires visible on a couple of the mountains uh, from the highway. We pulled off at a nature viewing uh, spot, and I took a few pictures, and we were just kind of watching up the mountain what the fire was doing. And then within about two days of getting home, Interior BC was all on fire, travel was banned into a number of BC cities, including a Soyuz, which is where we had just traveled. And had we still been in the US when this happened, um, I think we would have had to go all the way back through, through Leavenworth and then back up that way. I think we would have been allowed to get back home there. But I'm already looking forward to making that trip again and um, hopefully with less fires next time so that we can ride the Cascades and no fire bans so we can have a campfire again. So, But I highly recommend experiencing that Cascade Loop. It's beautiful. And that's, that's what I have to share tonight. That sounds like a bloody lovely trip. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. I, I can't thank you enough for sharing. I've, I've done that ride a couple of times. Yeah. Lake Chelan, like you say, is amazing. Um, I've spent a great deal of time there on a bunch of different rides. We rent a, um, we rent a couple of different rooms at a, a facility right on the lake. And Winthrop, I mean, some of my best 
memories of some of the rides I've been on is coming through Winthrop. It's uh, it's a quaint little place. It's not huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stayed at the uh, campsite right on the other side of the bridge, right beside the river. Uh, it just gets a little breezy there for me, so I I haven't haven't returned. But listen, we're gonna we're gonna cut back to uh, another song from our house band Fist. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, thankfully our, uh, our big guy, Bry guy has, uh, snuck in here. So we're going to go to the song madness from fist and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you.
Ah, welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed that song from our host band, Fist. We've uh, really been enjoying bringing them along our podcast, and uh, that was the song Madness. So, Bry Guy, our main host and the man who started this all, is uh, settled, and he has now joined us. So I'm going to throw it to Brian, and uh, love you guys all, and I hope you have a wonderful evening, and, and thank you so much for letting me... Uh, have the reins here for a brief moment in time, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys real soon. You guys have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Mark. And uh, thank you for uh, taking the reins when I wasn't able to uh, keep control of the horse, because uh, today was a crazy day. Um, I don't know what it is, but in the United States, there's only usually two seasons in the summer, and that is either construction or sunlight. So uh, that's kind of what happened to me is I got held up by that wonderful stuff called construction. Yes. And then I had to go through the 20 odd questions, Corinne, as you were talking about the border there. I caught that. And um, it's really nice after you've had an incident with the border and then they got to ask you about 40 questions three weeks later. So um, you might have caught the last podcast where uh, Bry Guy got caught with a taser flashlight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, they decided to ask me everything except what time I take a crap today. So (laughs) that took a long, long time, a long time. Like you would have thought that I had probably 10 pounds of cannabis and you probably thought I would have had a 24 and the three cartons of cigarettes (laughs) on my truck. They were wondering if I was chain smoking. So it was great. It was, it was really quite, quite entertaining. So I'm I'm sure the border (laughs) that's the North portal, Saskatchewan. That's just, Oh my gosh, man. I don't, you just can't get past that. And then me, of course, bringing up the fact that, you know, I had this form saying, Hey, I, you know, I got a a form saying that you guys cannot search me tonight. They kind of thought that was really funny. And then I had, they asked me why. And then I had to bring up the whole story of what happened three weeks ago. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't good. Wasn't good. But anyway, I'm sitting here finally in Wayburn, Saskatchewan. I wolfed down some McDonald's and, um, you know, Bandit loved his cheeseburger and fries. And I want to talk about this Bill C-11. I don't know if you guys have been hearing about it. And um, you knew darn well that your bra guy was going to get on this right away. It's basically a uh, situation where the government wants to, uh, the Liberal government of Canada, they want to basically start getting their piece of the pie from the Netflix and the YouTubers out there that are making over a million dollars a year. So Canada has set out new rules set out for podcasting streaming services, such as the one that you're listening to right now. In fact, we are not happy Canadians about this. Okay. Now, obviously Joe Blow that runs his uh, podcast from, you know, his uh, backyard and he's talking about his barbecue recipes. He probably won't be affected by this. But if you're a YouTuber and you're making $2 million a year, well, you will be affected by this. But here's where the problem comes in. The problem comes in that the government wants to know about what we put on our podcasts. And I don't really want to do that. Okay. Um, The CRTC, I don't know if you know what they're about. They stand for the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission. Or as I like to call it, Crap Rules, Trudeau's Controls. That's what I call it. 
So anyway, the Laymass CRTC wants to ensure online streaming services make meaningful contributions to Canadian and Indigenous content. Here's their bullshit statement. We are developing a modern broadcasting framework that can adapt to changing circumstances, which I translate it to, we are a liberal paid party broadcasting that will be a dictator to you stupid Canadians because Trudeau signs your paycheck. That's how I, how I interpret it. So to do that, they say we need broad engagement and robust public records which I translate to, we need to hear all of you dumb Canadians together so we can pull the wool over your eyes and see if we can get money out of you uh, podcasters, even the ones that make under a million dollars in the future. The CRTC Gestapo says that online streaming services need to provide information about their activities in Canada. So even if you don't make a million or two million a year, well, that's kind of what they want to know is they want to know is what is the content that you are putting on your podcast? You know what? It's none of their business. Absolutely none of their business, guys. Okay. Uh, I just think this is a really new way that the Canadian government has figured out how to make money on the bigger corporations. And I get that. But it's also a way for them to find out all the information, all the black stuff about those podcasts out there like ours. Okay. Uh, they set the deadline for November 28th, which um, I translate it to F.U. Trudeau. It will be a cold day in hell when you get information on our podcast. So it sounds a little hardcore, but I know this is what is going to happen in the end. Because when you let the Canadian government get involved in something like podcasting, you know damn well they're going to screw it up, okay? Uh, social media services and online services that offer podcasts must absolutely register, but individuals, individuals who use social media to share podcasts don't have to, which is translated to the Liberal Party, who funds the CRTCTRC, wants to know what time you dump, basically take a dump. Do you use one-ply or do you use two-ply? That's kind of that in my words. Um, this did not sit well with Tesla CEO and ex-owner Elon Musk, who called Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government on Sunday. He called him out, saying the decision to regulate podcasts was shameful. I'll also add it's very underhanded, it's criminal, it's diabolical, it's slime-like, it's sleazy, Nazi-like, and incredibly disturbing. That's I love I love Elon's words. They're great. Musk added, it's obvious to Trudeau that he is trying to crush free speech in Canada and that uh, Twitter, formerly known, will now reserve the right to free speech. So what do you guys think about this? Do you think we're off the beaten path that we shouldn't worry about this? Or do you think that there is some concern? Anybody want to throw in oh. their two cents? Oh, I've got something to say for sure. <laughs> kind of thought you would, Electric. I kind of thought you would. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's just for them to keep tabs on us. I mean, more and more just to keep us controlled, keep us unaware of what's actually happening in the world. I mean, I love Elon too. He's great. I've always loved him. Thank goodness there's some Americans standing up for the Canadians, bringing it to the public attention. Like I, lost, I listen to a lot of, uh, I like to watch True North for my news and Shadow Davis, but you watch that stuff, like you can't even watch True North or see anything on True North uh, on Facebook anymore. So I moved to X now, um, mostly for all my 
all my news comes from X. Um, Facebook has nothing. It's so regulated. It's brutal. It's uh, a scary situation that we're coming into. And if people start, if people think this is just the beginning or think it's the end, it's just the beginning. I mean, it's going to be a communist country in no time if we keep going the way we're going and they take away all our free speech and just show us things that don't matter in, in Canada or in the States or around the, the world that they've made up. You know, you're not actually getting the real information. And it's a scary, scary thing when you talk to somebody and they're like, well, that's not what CBC told me, or that's not what Global said. It's, uh, right. it's a scary situation when you don't have the right information and you're not making the proper decisions. Yeah. How about you, Cruz and Corinne? What's, uh, what's your opinion on this? Well, I really feel that... I'll use the word they, so I don't point any fingers to anyone in particular, but uh, they're trying to control what we think by controlling what we know. Uh, we're losing our freedom that our veterans all fought for for us and lost lives, and I don't know what the answer is to stop this, but it's really frustrating. I don't like the way things are going. I feel bad for my children and uh, they're adults, but the kind of world that they are living in, because I remember what it was like when I was a kid and you did feel like it was a free country and you could say or do pretty much anything you wanted and wouldn't have backlash. And um, I agree that it's, that Aaron mentioned that it's going to become like a communist country if it doesn't stop. Right, right. How about you, Pav? Kind of curious to know your opinion on these things. Well, for me, uh, as I can say, I'm from India, so I never have free speech, so I don't think it's going to affect me anyway. But yeah, like, as I can see, Instagram is now getting under the same control. You kind of share news in Instagram as well. If you do, for the first two, three times, they'll let you do it, but after that, your channel will be either blocked or, like, restricted. So yeah, it's not a good thing that's happening right now in Canada, but as you said, we cannot give any kind of advice on that because if we do, we'll become the new channel for them and the same thing will happen. So yeah, not happy with this all stuff, but I don't think we can do anything for that. No, well, no, I agree. Well, yeah. have you moving here to Canada, probably yeah. one of the reasons to get away uh, from that kind of control and then here really? you come to Canada, you've got free speech and then now it's taken away you of all people must really see where this is heading like yes we are speculating yeah. we've never been under this control but you are you know firsthand what this control does and can do that must be kind oh, of yeah, scary it, for me. it is if you see that you know like in the india side they, they show that they have no power, but we all know that they do have the power and they just use it against us, not for us. If something is happening in there, government can do anything they want. And it's scary. And now seeing it in happening here as well is more scarier because according to India and Canada, Canadian government is like way better. And if they have that much power, I don't think, I don't think we can do anything for that, you know? Yeah, that's, right. that's scary. Yeah. Let's see. I think this comes down 
I think this comes down to the next election. And I think Trudeau is running scared. And I think Polyev is going to be our next Prime Minister of Canada, whether you like it or not. I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. And I think that by Trudeau, you know, letting in all these foreigners in Canada, and no offense, Pav, but I think that he's buying their votes because he's setting up employment, he's setting up opportunities for those people, and honestly, it's F the white people. I'm sorry, but that's so, I, I truly believe that. Um, and that's the only way that he's going to stay in power because right now that there is an election today, I guarantee you 100,000% that Pierre Polyev would be the prime minister of Canada. Would you guys not agree with that? Oh yeah. And you see mm -hmm. Biden, okay. um, doing the same thing with the, allowing the open borders. He's buying votes. He's saying, come into this country. We will let you stay. You just have to vote for me. You know, like, and that's how they stay in power. And that's exactly what's happening up here in Canada, just in a little bit sneakier, different way, but the exact same thing here, come to Canada. Um, yeah. We'll give you a um, place to live. We'll pay you. You don't have to work. Um, you just, you know, keep voting liberal or NDP and we'll just keep running the country and it'll be great for you until it's not. And then they're absolutely, everybody's hooped. Right. I mean, look at yeah. the carbon tax. The carbon tax has been increased so many times and there are so many hard people on hard times right now. There, I, I can't even explain. I can give you one good example. Um, you know, my stepson and his wife, they have kids and they, um, my grandson and granddaughter actually, instead of, you know, getting the school lunch, you know, that we, the, we used to get as kids. Well, a lot of parents can't afford school lunches. So these kids, what they're doing and bless them for what they're doing. But I mean, uh, Michaela is a good example. She works at the school cafeteria for her lunch. Okay. And Patrick does, uh, he cooks in the home economics class for the school lunch program to get a free lunch. And that's what unfortunately our kids are resorting to because honestly they're not looking at a, a very bright future they i mean you talk to any teenager and they'll tell you that things aren't looking too bright for them yeah mm -hmm. it's a subject that needs to be taught in school and i think like uh you know sex and religion and politics we were taught never should be talked about but politics needs to be talked about and it should be taught and i swear they need to teach it in schools and i think that they need to start teaching adult courses as well for people like i don't know if there's stuff like that out there but there needs to be more education on politics on how to vote and how to get to the big picture of voting you know yes you might want to vote for your riding in your small town but it's the big picture that matters the most when you're trying to get a or not the states when you elect somebody, you elect your, for your local riding. Whereas in America, they elect their president, which we don't get that chance. So it's how many seats are, you know, in the government. It's, it's a lot can go wrong if you're not paying attention, if people aren't educated. There have been a number of elections where we wanted a new person, new prime minister in there, and it was like it would be Ontario decided. It was all of their yep. votes that decided who won, and the rest of the country didn't want that person. That's happened a number of times. That's been happening right. for years. We don't have it. We don't have a say 
we don't really it's it's up to quebec and ontario and it's scary to think that they are so pro-liberal i mean they're starting to turn toward pierre but um it's it's really going to come down to how much he can you know bash trudeau because we all like that <laughs> you know as conservative folk whether you're far or or in the middle of conservative i mean uh that's what i like about pierre is his standing up for the little people whether it lasts or not but he's the lesser of all evils we've got and i hope to god he gets in mm -hmm. i agree absolutely so with that, we got some pylon shoutouts. And oh, do I have some pylon shoutouts tonight? <laughs> okay. Oh, man, do I ever. Okay. I'm, and Corinne, for uh, I don't know if you know what a pylon shoutout is. I Just for your benefit, I will let you know so the highway freaks out there know what we're doing. We usually do a shout out to people that have done good. And then we also have done wrong to us. So they're basically come down to three pylons blue red and black okay. so um so after we finish this last song from fist okay so when we come back uh we'll we'll do some pylon shout outs but uh such an appropriate song because a lot of people are paying this right now on highway freaks and it's by fist and it's alimony
Yeah, such an appropriate song. Uh, maybe they'll uh, do a, a song next called Child Support. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was in Noonan, Georgia, and I was picking up a load down there and, um, you know, something for your car. We'll leave it at that. And I went to the front of the gate and, you know, Aaron, you'll be able to understand this and sympathize with this. Uh, first thing, of course, she had me do was move my bogeys back, move my wheels back, my trailer <laughs> wheels back. I was okay with that. That was no problem. That's normal. Okay. Although it doesn't make sense because when you usually go into these places, they're so tight and you don't get the swing room. So really... In essence, oh. it is kind of stupid, right? So, oh, here, Bandit, you want some water? There you go, buddy. Okay. He's looking at me, like, literally going, hey, Dad, I need some water. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, back to this. So, she had me open up my doors, and I had just unloaded uh, some product prior to that uh, for actually paint, the painting um, um, industry. So, she said, okay. I need you to sweep out the trailer. I said, okay, fine. She said, go over there and sweep it out. So, okay, great. So I go sweep out the trailer. No problem. I go drop the trailer. Okay. And then I go inside and the one gal, Monica, which we're going to mention her name because she's, she's, she gets a really good pylon. She, uh, she says, well, the girl hasn't checked you in. I said, oh, really? She goes, yeah, so just bobtail over there and tell her that you dropped the trailer and I'll check you in. Okay, great. So I bobtail back and then she cops an attitude. She goes, what are you, what are you doing? I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm checking in. She goes, where's the trailer? I said, well, I dropped the trailer. I didn't tell you to drop the trailer. She said, you didn't tell me not to drop the trailer. So we got a little bit of debate over that. So she said, I need you to hook it back up. I said, you're kidding me. I said, she said, well, I need to check what's inside the trailer. I said, you saw me sweeping it out. I mean, you, we're literally a football field in front of the guard shack. And she said, no, I didn't. I said, oh, so you want me to hook it up? Yep. So I had to hook it up. So I had to go back. Now, of course, I'm getting a little irritated by this time. So I uh, hook up the trailer. And, of course, the landing gear won't go up properly. So fighting with that thing. So I come back. And I do a big Yui right in front of her, like, you know, Indy 500 style. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Slam on my brakes. Get out. Slam the door as hard as I can. Like, you know, I'm pissed. She comes up. <laughs> she checks the trailer. And she goes, well, it still needs some sweeping out. I said, I'm not sweeping it out again. I said, you, you're putting freaking tires in there, man. I said, you yeah. don't need me to sweep it out. Okay. And she looks at me. She goes, okay, it's good enough. So she says, go to, do, go to 147. So I go, go put it at 147, drop the trailer, come back, talk to Monica. She goes, what are you, what are you doing? I, I said, I explained to her. She goes, I don't know about that girl, Arlena. She goes, she has a real power trip with truck drivers. And I said, I said, yeah, she sure does. So I told her about our podcast and I was telling her about the, the uh, pylon shoutouts. And I know she's going to be listening to this podcast because I got to be politically correct. Because the supervisor I also ran into after I got out of the gate and had a few words with him, too. I just basically <laughs> said, I said, where's that girl? And he said, what girl? I said, Arlena. He says, oh, yeah, she's uh, gone home. I said, oh, so she crawled back into her cave, did she? He said, what? 
<laughs> I said, she crawled back into her cave, did she? She said, he said, well, and I explained him the story. And he said, okay. So he said, so you do a podcast? I said, yeah, sure do. And he goes, okay, well, you'd be politically correct, but you can, uh, you can certainly mention her. So this is what I'm doing now. Arlena, <laughs> you get the black pylon. Okay, Monica, you're a sweetheart, and you get the red pylon. So those are my pylon shoutouts. Excellent. I'll do mine. Uh, I got a red pilot pylon shout-out for my mom, who's not been feeling very well, so we just spent the week there. So give her a little shout-out. Uh, blue one for my hubby, as per usual, for you know tolerating me and loving me and dragging me along with them. And a black one. As always, for Trudeau. Trudeau is always a tradition. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Corinne, your very first pylon shout-outs. Well, what I would like to send, I guess, blue and red ones out. Um, yesterday, October 4th, which is 10-4, was National Truckers Appreciation Day. And so I would like to send out red and blue pylons to all the truckers in everything they do and their dedication to all the hard and hard work they put in to getting product and all the stuff, I was going to use a different word, out to wherever <laughs> it needs to go. You guys, Excellent. you're dedicated, you put in hours and hours and you're away from families. It, it means a lot to me, all that, that all of you truckers do for us. Well, thank you. And we put up with a lot of shit, as, as I have in the last 48 hours. Yep, we do. Yeah, so. I'll throw, yeah. I'll throw a black one at Trudeau as well. well. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hey, and Pav, you've got some pylon shout-outs? For my pylons, I'll have the red one for my sister, because it's Thanksgiving coming, and we are going out for spending some time with the family in Edmonton. And she's the one who's helping with me, like in shopping and everything. I don't think I have any blue one, but for black one, as everyone is going, I'll go with the Trudeau as well. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have for today. Okay. Yeah. And I've got one final red one. Welcoming our newest panel member on Highway Freaks, part of our road crew now. She's a regular. You can give her as many comments as you want on the road crew 2022 at gmail.com cruising corinne thank you for being part of this well thank you for inviting me you're more I than welcome i quite enjoyed it tonight well it was it's it's not always the same as it's supposed to be and you know we have a motto called real truckers real life and that's what happens you know uh, I, I know you're looking forward to having gm on and he'll be on next week and he uh, he had a late uh, load, and J-Man, he had to get up at 4 in the morning, so same with him. And I barely didn't make it um, because uh, of some of the circumstances that happened. But that's why we do what we do, you know. It's uh, to try and entertain truckers out there and, uh, you know, basically try and make their evening by sharing a laugh or two. Sure. All right, so 49 is in the books, and we are looking forward to number 50 next week when we will have, hopefully, our regular panel back. So thank you, guys, and have a real safe week.
destroyed.